the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. David here is describing the culture around him that is not too unlike our own. He says the world is filled with faithless people, perverse people, slanderous people, haughty people, proud people. Those are the words I underlined right here in the text. Faithless, perverse, slanderous, haughty, and proud. And notice, you know, he can't escape them. He realizes that this is the makeup of the world in which he lives, and he has no illusions that somehow he's going to avoid contact with these kind of people. But what he's saying is, I don't have to become like them. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. We are surrounded by faithless, perverse, slanderous, haughty, and proud people. Some of these are the people we work with, whereas others may even be family members. Pastor Gary teaches us today that though we need to interact with these people and we should try to share Jesus with them, we also must be cautious to not become like them. If we allow them to become too much of an influence in our lives, we will fall into their ways. As such, we need to seek out friendship from fellow Christians, people who can hold us accountable and even share with us in the struggles of pursuing godly lives. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 101 for part two of today's message titled, A Blameless Life. Yes, Abraham married his half-sister. I will not make a reference again to West Virginia University. I'm not going to say that. But what I am saying is that a half... I'm going to get emails. I'm feeling it. But a half-truth, a half-truth is a complete lie. And yet the Bible says about Abraham, blameless guy, blameless guy. He, he told some lies. So again, it's not this picture. We don't, we don't want this concept of, well, who, who can ever live up to that standard? Living a blameless, perfect life before God. No, I was just talking about people who are intentional. Despite their shortcomings, people who are intentional about living a holy, devoted, complete, upright, sincere life before God with integrity. That's the goal here. That's the desire. God knows that we're frail. God knows we're going to mess up. God knows that we are all people who have feet of clay. But the desire of our heart should be to lead a blameless life before God, to be intentional about living a life before God that honors him and pleases him. Noah and Abraham were both blameless guys, but they had their shortcomings. Blameless is not sinless. Sinless. 
But blameless in this sense is an intentional effort to lead a sincere, upright, wholehearted life with integrity before God. By the way, the word blameless appears in the New Testament too. Now, when you go into the New Testament, you're you're changing original languages. Old Testament originally written in Hebrew, New Testament originally written in Greek. But the word blameless applies in different ways in the New Testament too. For example, you don't need to turn. I'm going to read some of these verses quicker than you can find them. But the word blameless is used in the New Testament to describe Christians. In Ephesians 1.4, it says, For he chose us in him, God did, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. It is a word that is used to describe how we should also behave as we await the return of Christ. In 2 Peter 3.14, it says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with them. The Apostle Peter is writing that saying, While you're waiting for the return of Christ, be men and women who are living a life of integrity by being blameless before God. It's also a word that appears in the New Testament as a qualification for elders in the church. Elders who serve in leadership capacities of the church. In the book of Titus chapter 1, the word is used twice in verse 6 and 7 to describe the qualifications for an elder. It says this, An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless. The word is used again. It's the only word among the qualifications for an elder that is repeated twice. Now, again, it's a different word from the Hebrew tamim. It is a different word in the Greek. It is angeklotos. And it just simply means one who is without accusation. Again, it doesn't mean someone who's perfect. There's no perfect elder. There's no perfect Christian. There's no perfect pastor in the sense that we think of perfect, like never making a mistake and never sinning. But it is still a call to live a life in such a way that you're not giving people fuel for the fire by stuff that you're doing that would raise their question about your character. That you are living a life in such a way that you are not giving people the open opportunity to accuse you of things. Now, yes, people will unfortunately say slanderous, gossiping, lying things about us from time to time. And we can't control always the things that people say about us. But we have a role in making sure we're, we're not helping people to have room to accuse us by living a blameless life. A life that is wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, sincere and with integrity. So this word is both Old Testament and New Testament. But looking into Psalm 101, which is where we are today, David actually tells us here that there are three things that threatened his living a blameless life. Three things that potentially threatened his living a blameless life before God. And this is good for us to take notes on because these are the same things that threaten the potential for us to lead a blameless life. The first thing that he talks about, the potential threat is what he looks at. It's what he looks at. Notice here in Psalm 101, verse 2 and 3. The last part of verse 2, David says, I will walk in my house with blameless heart. Verse 3, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I'm going to guard what I look at. Now, we don't know whether David wrote this chapter before or after his affair with Bathsheba. So either, either 
he didn't heed his own advice if he wrote this before the affair. Or maybe this was written after the affair and now he's made a new resolution about guarding his eyes. And so he writes about it in this psalm. We don't know, but either way we can learn from it. Because there David was on one spring night, the Bible says, at the time when kings go off to war. His Israeli army was off in battle and David was at home in his palace with idle time on his hands. And he strolls out on the roof of his palace one spring night and he looks out. And there on the roof of his neighbor's house is a beautiful woman, Bathsheba, who's bathing. Now, as uncommon as that would be for us, that was not uncommon in that day. Your roof was actually an extension of your home. And the stairways would take you up to the roof, and it was a place where rainwater would be caught, and so you would use it as drinking water, and you'd bathe in it also. So she's probably, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt, she's probably just up there bathing and, and you know, it's, it's dusk time and she's thinking maybe under the cover of early darkness or maybe she's even thinking because the Bible says at the time when kings go off to war that David isn't even home, that he's off fighting with his army as he should have been. But David looks and he sees now look, you know, the same stairs that brought David up to the roof are the same stairs that could have taken him down. But his mistake was he lingered. There's an old saying about how never to take the second glance. You know, we, we have eyes. We can notice good-looking uh, people. And, you know, we're not, we're not dumb in that sense. God's given us eyes. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, appreciating or admiring things. But, but then it crosses a line. That second glance... And then it becomes potentially lustful at that point and then covetous. And that's what happened with David. He gave the second glance and he lingered and he coveted and he wanted Bathsheba and he sent for her and he slept with her. You, you know the story. And it became one of the most devastating decisions of his life. All because he did not guard what he looked at. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that Bathsheba did anything pornographic. But for David, David... That was a pornographic moment for him. And in David's day, think about it. What's the likelihood of seeing such a thing? A happen chance moment of going up under the roof of your palace and seeing someone else naked on the roof of their house. That's about the extent of it. Now translate that to today. What is the exposure that we have to things that are sexual and pornographic? The ways of multimedia and social media now have made it it's almost unavoidable being bombarded with sexual images and pornography. America, sad statistic, America is the number one producer of pornography in the world. Well, revenue of $13 billion, that's just an estimation. Nobody really knows what is taken under the table because of pornography in our country. $13 billion. And here is a staggering, sobering statistic. 90% of boys and 60% of girls have been exposed to pornography before the age of 18. And the number is getting younger and younger for first-time exposure to pornography. It is currently the age of 11 in our country. And most kids get exposed to Internet pornography because they stumble upon it in an innocent Internet search. So I ask you, if David says 1,000 B.C., 
I need to be careful what I look at, how much more do we need to heed the advice of this verse? We're constantly exposed to it. It bombards us. It's everywhere. And it's not just sexually explicit things that we need to be careful about looking at. It's things that are violent and things that are disgraceful, things that are depressing or perverse or sacrilegious or things that mock Christianity and are ungodly. And sometimes, and you know what I'm talking about, sometimes... People parade ungodly things under the guise of artistic expression. Okay, well, whatever that means, we need to be careful that we guard what we look at. David said, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. And if ever there was a time that we should say, as David did, it is now. Number two, the thing that he also saw that potentially threatened a blameless Life was how he responds to the culture around him. How he responds to the culture around him. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5. The last part of verse 3, he says, The deeds of faithless men I hate. They will not cling to me. Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him will I put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him will I not endure. Okay, so David here is describing the culture around him that is not too unlike our own. He says the world is filled with faithless people, perverse people, slanderous people, haughty people, proud people. Those are the words I underlined right here in the text. Faithless, perverse, slanderous, haughty, and proud. And notice, you know, he can't escape them. He realizes that this is the makeup of the world in which he lives, and he has no illusions that somehow he's going to avoid contact with these kind of people. But what he's saying is... I don't have to become like them. I don't have to become like them. And I like the phrases that he, that he writes here under the description of the different kinds of people. He talks about faithless deeds, and then underneath that he says, they will not cling to me. He talks about a perverse men of perverse heart, but underneath that he says, I will have nothing to do with evil. In verse 5, when he talks about slanderous people, whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, he says, him will I put to silence. In other words, he says, they're not going to talk that way around me. If I hear people slandering somebody around me, I'm going to call them out. And then he talks about also in verse 5, those who are haughty, haughty eyes and a proud heart. He says, he adds, him will I not endure. In other words, I will not give them the time of day. David is basically saying it's unavoidable, unavoidable to be around people like this. But I won't let them rub off on me. I won't become like they are, act like they do, do what they do. I'm my own man before God. Gentlemen, be your own man before God. Ladies, be your own woman before God. Because the danger is that the culture begins to change us rather than we changing and influencing our culture. And Paul warns about it in Romans 12 too. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I don't often quote from the J.B. Phillips translation, but I like the way Phillips uh, uh, translated Romans 12 too. He says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And the culture is going to be relentless in attempting to squeeze us into its mold, to make us look more like the world looks, to act like the world acts, to think and believe like the world thinks. 
Our culture's going off the rails in many regards. Now, the hope for our culture is the church. So we have to be engaged. We can't disengage. I'm not suggesting for a moment we develop this tree fort mentality. Let's all the Christians just get up in a tree fort, pull up the ladder, and let's have no association with anybody else. We have to still engage the culture, but we can't allow the culture to continually shape us and mold us into its image. And it will be relentless in that mission. Years ago when I was a kid, just growing up here in Northern Virginia, I was probably 13 or 14 years old when I would accompany my grandmother to friends that she would visit in Annapolis. Now, my my grandfather had since gone on to be with the Lord, but for 48 years he was a Methodist pastor and became a Methodist district superintendent of of the Baltimore Conference. And so my grandmother would still stay in touch with retired district superintendent pastors in the conference. And so... Uh, I would go with her when she would visit this, this one retired pastor. His name was Dr. Ed Beckett. Sweet, dear man. Love the Lord. Since gone on many years ago to be with the Lord. But in his retirement, he had this beautiful little house in this little tiny peninsula on the Whitehall River in Annapolis. So I'd go with my grandmother. She'd stay with them for a week just to you know, reconnect with them. And they had a, a whole finished basement in their house. And so... Uh, with a couple of different bedrooms. So my grandmother and I would go, and I was content to just be in my element. I didn't need anybody else. I was okay to be alone because the Whitehall River was there, and I would just fish and crab all day long, all day long. I mean, from sunup until sundown. I'd come in red as a tomato. I'd be so sunburned. I didn't care. Just you know, catching white perch and yellow perch and blue crab just all day long. And so I'd, I'd clean the fish, and we'd have a fish fry, and then I'd bring in the crabs, And my grandmother would steam them. And so I have like 20 or 30 crabs, blue crabs. And so we'd dump them into this big, she had this big uh, steel pot. And you're supposed to steam them alive. You want to, you want to, you want to cook them, you got to steam them alive. And so don't call PETA on me. I'm just telling you, (laughs) this is the way you do it. And so, so I dump all the blue crabs in there and you could hear their claws, you know, clanking on, on the inside of this steel pot. And so I was, I called my grandmother, mom, mom. I said, mom, mom, you better put the lid on, the, on those crabs. They're going to crawl right out. She says, no, you don't need a lid on the crabs. She said, the best way that you steam the crabs, you let the steam rise. And only the last few minutes you put the lid on. Otherwise, it makes the crab meat too soggy. So she had this method and dump it in Old Bay and the whole deal. But I, I said, why don't you need a lid on it? She says, because watch. And sure enough, I don't know if you know this instinctively about crabs, if they're in a bucket, a container, you don't need a lid on it. Why? Because as one tries to crawl out, somebody else underneath takes a claw and pulls them down. <laughs> That's the way crabs do it. They're not going to let you, you're, you're not going to escape from this sauna. I'm pulling you back down. You're going to die with me. <laughs> and so one crawls up, another crab would pull him back down. And I, I think to myself today, this is a picture of the world. There's some crab you work with always trying to pull you down. (laughs) This is the pattern. This is the culture now. People in the world, just if you try to go on with Jesus, they're just going to keep trying to pull you down and conform you more and more and squeeze you into the image of the culture. Don't let them. You be your own man. You be your own woman for God. Be careful how you respond to the culture around you. Be an influencer. But be careful that it doesn't influence you. Last point that he makes here, one of the things that potentially could hinder or threaten leading a blameless life is he says who he allows in his inner circle. Now verses 6 and 7 here, if you'll notice again in your Bibles, verses 6 and 7, he says, My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. 
No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. He's talking about protecting his inner circle. Now, we have different circles. Everybody understands this. I know. I know you do. We all have different circles. And the further out are the people that you don't know at all. So on the outer circles are strangers. And then as you begin to meet people, the circle tightens up. So people that you maybe are acquaintances with. You know, you've met them a few times. You don't really hang out, but they're acquaintances. That circle's a little bit closer. And then perhaps the people you work with who, you know, over a long period of time, they, they, they come in even closer and you have friends that are even closer. And then, and then we all have like an inner circle. And these are the friends and family members and advisors that are, that are few, but they're, but they're in that inner circle. And this is the circle we need to be particularly careful about. David says, I I want someone who's going to minister to me. That's what he says there in verse 6. He says, I want someone who's going to be near me, influencing me to be someone with a blameless walk. He says, I want someone just like I am in my inner circle. Blameless again, not in the sense that they don't ever sin or make a mistake, but blameless in the sense like I want them to be as much a pursuer of God as I am with sincerity and integrity. Those are the people I want in my inner circle. Now again, don't anyone leave here and think that I'm talking about being exclusive as Christians and never associating with non-Christians. That's not what the Bible teaches for us to engage a culture, be salt and light, be in this world, okay? So dialogue with them, work with them, socialize with them, share Christ with them, but do not let people who are ungodly have a seat at the table of your inner circle. Everyone that you choose to surround yourself with will impact your life, either positively or negatively. Your inner circle will be people that you influence and will be the people that influence you. Be very, very wise about who you allow in that inner circle. There are people just three quarters of a mile down the road here in the adult detention center and in juvenile detention hall who are there because they allowed the wrong people into this inner circle. They started hanging out with the wrong people. And the influence of the wrong people ended up taking them down a wrong path. On many instances, that's the case. We have to be very careful of who we allow in that inner circle. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Choose your close friends wisely. Guard your inner circle Carefully. David says, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. I will walk in my house with blameless heart, and he whose walk is blameless will minister to me. More than pursuing or wanting a successful life, a happy life, a good life, or a long life, David says, The preeminent desire of my heart is to lead a blameless life before God. God promises to bless us if we live a life with such pursuit for him. In Proverbs 11.20, it says, The Lord detests men of perverse heart, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. Proverbs 28.18 says, He whose walk is blameless is kept safe, but he whose ways are perverse will suddenly fall. May we have an equal desire with David to be careful to lead 
a blameless life. Amen. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes Mercy is waiting for you With every sunrise Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.